Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NFL veteran and Super Bowl champion, Will Blackman. Manning from the end zone, he throws, and it's a first away, and it is picked off by Will Blackman, the former giant. Tim Dwight watches it hit, bounces, picks it up at the 10, slips a defender, fumbles the football, it's up for grabs, it's covered in the end zone by Will Blackman for a Green Bay touchdown! And now, here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. Welcome to another episode of Buecher and Blackman, subsidiary of Buecher and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. I'm Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1. You can hear me on Fox Sports Radio. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Rick Buecher, we have new management when it comes to the to the Graham. Uh, I'm getting some assistance. I won't say from who, but he lives in the same house as I do, and he thinks he's pretty smart. So I knew we're it was gonna one of them. What's what's that? I knew it was one of the Buchers helping you out. <laughs> yes, my son uh, is is thinks that he can manage my uh, my social media. He's he's been itching to, so I'm I'm giving him a chance, maybe a 30 day trial like Tim Grover with uh, with Michael Jordan. Before we get to all the football stuff, and obviously Will Blackman here with me, uh, NFL vet, Super Bowl champ. You can see him on FS1. Also the uh, the what is it I want to use? Not the distributor. The um, well the the mastermind behind the wine MVP. This is true. Are you still thinking about doing a, a, a wine podcast? Yes. Okay. We will, we will talk. Okay. All right. Well, enough, uh, enough of that. Before we do get to the NFL draft and get your just impressions overall, specifically on who you think did the best, I want to get into the whole Brady and Belichick arms race as I see it uh, and the drafting of Jordan Love and Green Bay and what that means for Aaron Rodgers. I do want to get your take on the Jordan documentary. We keep calling it the Jordan documentary. It's actually a documentary on the last dance, the 97-98 Bulls, last championship. And for me, the reason I say that it's not the Jordan documentary is because we're getting just as much about other guys on the team as we are about Jordan, but no, that, we're, no, we're not getting just as much as other guys because all we getting we're getting each guy's story, but they're all coming back to Jordan. 
True. Basically, this whole thing is about Jordan and Jerry Crow. That's who it's about. It's about these two. But go ahead, continue. Please. Well, it's more. It's it's about. It's more about some of his teammates than I expected it to be. Let's put it no, that way. No, of course, way. right? Yes. Uh, we had a whole, you know, we had a whole segment devoted to Scottie Pippen. We had a whole segment devoted to Dennis Rodman, and we're four episodes in, or four segments in. So I just wonder, you, like, you are a Jordan guy. You are a self-proclaimed Michael Jordan guy. Yep. What are your feelings about? What you have seen so far, have you seen anything that either surprised you or changed or shifted or affected your view of Michael Jordan? I think I think although everything that I have seen, nothing has surprised me. I feel like I've known a lot of stuff already because I've seen pretty much every single Michael Jordan documentary that has ever exist um, ever existed. It was fun to to hear, you know, Rodman's side, but I've, I've seen Rodman documentaries too of him speak about it. So there's been a, a lot of things documented about the team. I'm just surprised, um, I guess, how Jordan is today. You know, he's very, very different. Just from just from afar, he just seems, um, I don't know, just very distant. Distant. I almost, yeah, I almost feel like those, I, feel like, I almost feel like the guys who are that good almost are, are a little different. Yeah, I, I actually, from that standpoint, he seems to me a little more settled. And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I feel as if the death of Kobe Bryant and his reaction yeah. to that, that Michael is a little more thoughtful um, than he, than I, than I knew him previously to be, and I, and I always knew he was a person. I knew he wasn't the machine that he was made out to be. I knew he had feelings. I knew he wasn't a bad guy by any stretch. But there's a certain sense of mortality about him, or vulnerability about him, that he's acknowledging now that I don't remember him acknowledging before. Right. So. That's what I see as different. The other part for me is... But that's what I mean, though. Like, Michael now is what I'm seeing different, you know? He seemed more... So you're saying he seemed more distant. I'm, I'm not... Well, it's just, it's, I don't know him personally, so it's really hard for me to say. You know what I'm saying? So, I, well, just, just to truly answer the question, the one thing I did not know, though, is the whole uh, injury with his foot and how they didn't really want him to play because... Yeah pick was up right so that story i didn't know that it really changed how he felt about management that early in his career good point good point nor nor did i i didn't know that that was that really set the die for everything else right there was no there's no return after that i also i didn't recall because that was right that was that was before i covered the league and i didn't realized that they had put him on a 14 minute restriction which is just ridiculous like right. why even allow him to play why and, even dress exactly yeah and i get why they wouldn't want him to play but i also i had forgotten that okay so they have him on the 14 minute restriction and then they get to the playoffs and they take it off and now he goes for 63 against the Celtics i didn't realize that like the lead up was so limiting and then he goes out and he does what he does. Made it all the more impressive to me. Right. So, 
All right, uh, getting to the NFL draft. The the team that you that impressed you the most with what they did for one reason or another, whatever reason it might be, who did you look at and go, man, they had a really good draft? I like the fact that I feel like they could have packed it up, Dallas. They could have packed it up after they got CD Lamb. I thought that was they needed that. They needed somebody opposite Amari Cooper who can who is a serious threat. No, nothing. I like Michael Gallup. I think he's a great, you know, compliment to to Amari Cooper and also could be a number three where he might end up having a really good season and then get paid elsewhere. But I like the fact that they got that he fell right to, in their hands. I love what the um I love what the Colts did and Chris Ballard. He went and got, you know, Jonathan Taylor. He averaged 2,000 yards a season at Wisconsin, Russian. He went and got that big receiver from USC, Michael Pittman, the son of Michael Pittman, the running back for the Bucks. Right. I like what they did there, too. Um, I think those two teams pretty much did what they had to do. And in Baltimore, they just went and got a stud linebacker. My favorite linebacker in the whole draft was Patrick Queen. Uh, from LSU, I, I think getting him and his attitude and, and the way he plays the game, he's going to fit right along. Obviously, they added Calais Campbell in the offseason, too. They went and got another defensive tackle. They just beefed up the defense where you're not going to go anywhere. The Ravens continually impress me with what they're able to do draft-wise, even when they're not picking in a great draft position. What is it about their franchise or the way they go about things? Because... The Lamar Jackson pick was obviously an inspired pick. Patrick, uh, Queen. But but down the line, it just feels like they always find value no matter how far or deep into the draft that they pick. Is there is there some reason or is there some explanation? Am, am well, I overplaying that, that or No, that's just how they're in that's just how they're built. You know, Ozzy ran the program for a long time and became and was very, very good. You know, he was in Cleveland with Bell and all them, you know, and end up going to Baltimore and taking over and did a phenomenal job, for, you know, end up getting two Super Bowls out of it. And now DaCosta took over and he's doing a fantastic job too. So I just feel like their organization, the infrastructure is built right. And I always say, man, any organization that is that succeeds, it always starts from the top. And that's why Baltimore is always in it too. Yeah. I mean, the biggest compliment I can give Baltimore is – you win the Super Bowl, you have Joe Flacco, and you have that whole regime. And then immediately in one year, you switch the entire offense, and you're right back in it. Right. Not in the, I'm not in the Super Bowl, but contending for it, you know. Your quarterback ends up being the MVP. So to make that switch and not have anything slow down is, is impressive as it comes. Because what happens is a lot of people are trying to uh, usually they have a quarterback that they can just plug in with the same system and will take over that system. But the fact that they were able to change everything about that offense to cater to Lamar Jackson in one year is incredible. But that doesn't speak just to drafting personnel. That speaks to coaching as well. Maybe more so to coaching. No, right. You get the personnel. You have to get the players for the coaches. And right, then, then the coaches do what they do and that's how magic happens. So is that is that their is that the secret sauce? Is that what they have that a lot of other franchises don't have is that they go let's just go get the talent that we believe in and then we'll build the system 
to fit their skill set as opposed to we have our system and now we got to go find players that fit the way we play. Yeah, you, you're, ne- you're never going to win when you find players that you're trying to fit in your system. That it's not going to happen because everyone's going to change. Everyone's yeah. different. Everyone learns different. Everyone sees, everyone plays differently. I was talking to my wife last night just about just about coaching. And I was talking to a friend of mine and I was telling him that, man, I said all the great coaches, because he's actually in personal training. And I'm like, you have to train everybody you can have your philosophy, but you have to send a message to each person differently. And I coached high school, and, and I learned just from high school alone is, okay, I may have one way, I may have one philosophy, but everybody learns differently. Like I had one receiver who's actually going to Washington State, and I can talk to him like I talk to any NFL pro. He gets it. He speaks the same language. But some people, I may have to change it this way. Some people, I have to say it this way. Some people, I can't really yell it like that because they don't respond really well. I, ha- I have to identify and understand each player that I have in order to get the best out of them. And for me, when I moved to offense at Boston College, our offensive coordinator, Dana Bible, was extremely disciplined. You know, he ran the West Coast offense. You run 10 yards and you go this way. You catch the ball, you go north and south. You don't try to juke side to side and make anybody miss. And he really challenged me as a player, as being one of the best players on the team. He challenged me. However... He also listened just by observing. He paid attention where he did not handicap me either. So, right, if I caught the ball and he told he told everyone, you do not go east and west. You don't lose yards. You don't go backwards. You don't do this. You catch it and you go north. You make this block. You're detailed here. Like, he was so such a stickler. However, there was one time I ran a five-yard out versus Army. I caught a simple five-yard out route. And then I, just, I made the first guy miss, and honestly, instincts just took over. I ended up reversing fields, going behind the line of scrimmage. I ran to the opposite sideline, made more people miss, <laughs> and then ended up scoring a touchdown. So then we have our team meet, our offense meet the next day, and we're watching the film, and everyone was looking at me, waiting for me to get yelled at. And so we get to that clip, and I just see the coach with the infrared light just just the laser light pointer, just pointing on. He's just going up and down the screen and just keep rewinding and fast forwarding the play, rewinding, fast forwarding the play. And he was just like, you do this, you better make it effing work. <laughs> he said, you better make it. He said, you better make it work. He's, and everyone looked at me like, wow, he didn't yell at you. And and it's funny because he's the one coach that I have the best relationship with after playing at Boston College, even still to this day. Um, he, he taught me certain things, but he also knew what I was special at. And mm-hmm. that's, and that's what great coaches and organizations do. They bring you in. I look at Carolina when they first brought in Cam Newton, they did not sit him and made him a drop back pocket passer. They found his offense at Auburn and implemented that into the system so he can succeed. And, you know, in Carolina, that's what you do. And that's exactly what Baltimore did. They went and not only not only did they get him the personnel around him, you know, blocking tight ends, strong running backs, a nasty O line, receivers that can just take off down the field. Mm-hmm. They got him coaches who who coach similar players. We said this before, you know, and Greg Roman, he coached Kaepernick. And year before that, they had Marty Mornerway who coached Michael Vick. You know, similar skill sets. So they know what they're doing there. That's why the that's why every year the same teams are always in it. 
right. every year. Right. So speaking of teams that are always in it, I was really fascinated by, obviously, we, we haven't done a podcast together in a while. Uh, since then, Brady's in Tampa Bay. Gronk has come out of retirement to join him. Uh, they're, they're building something in Tampa Bay. And I couldn't help but watch New England to see what Bill Belichick would be doing uh, as a, you know, as a response, because people have taken those two guys going to Tampa Bay, joining forces down there, as a statement about Bill and about the Patriots. And and is are people wrong in doing that? Are they thinking these guys decided we want out of the you know we want out of the cage, we want out of the the bird coop, we want to we want to flex our own. Is there is there any is there any reason why it would be anything other than that? No, there's nothing wrong with that. Does you know if you you pretty much done anything and you you still feel capable? Like I said last year, he threw for four thousand. He won twelve and four. He still feels like he's capable. And so, what do you what do you do for somebody who pretty much has done everything? You challenge him. He wants to challenge himself. You know, I'm sure he he hears all the time. You know, you can't win without Bill. Bill can't win without you, or whatever it is. The opportunity was there. You know, the offense is perfect. And then the fact that it worked out with his tight end. Yeah. Yeah. Gronk got got uh, bored with the the whole wrestling thing in a hurry, didn't he? Well, he wanted some real action. That's what it was. Yeah. He wasn't used <laughs> to the fake action. This is what I found fascinating about Bill Belichick. And to me, this is this is the genius of Bill Belichick. Because I think if anybody else they would have fed into their ego of, all right, I got to show that I can win without Tom Brady. I have to show that I can win without Rob Gronkowski. And there's no doubt that Bill Belichick wants to win. But he's not going to use this coming season as the referendum on whether he can build a championship team without Tom Brady. He's playing the long game. Even at his age, He's playing the long game because didn't draft a quarterback. Is His first three picks were all on the defensive side of the ball. He added some picks. To me, he is he realizes that one of the reasons I think Tom wanted to leave is because they had a dearth of talent. They need to restock. They need to rebuild. And that's what he's doing. And rather than jump out there and I got to get a quarterback and I got to win this coming year, and we'll see how good they are this coming year, but he's really looking at it saying, I need to rebuild this thing entirely. And so I'm going to rebuild based on what I need overall and what's available to me and not necessarily what I need to win right now to prove that I can win without Tom Brady. Well, that's what happened. when. So first of all, you know, he had a Pro Bowl quarterback, Drew Bledsoe, you know, who took them to the Super Bowl when Parcells was the coach and then made the constant decision when he got injured to keep Tom Brady in the game. But when Tom Brady was plugged in the game, plugged onto the team, that was a fantastic team. Right. They Already. had a great they had a great team that was built. So it wasn't like, oh, we, we you know, we just need the, the team was good. And they plugged him in there and then took off. And then Tom Brady ended up being what he was. Right. So, right, at the end of the day, you have to build a team. I remember when I was in uh, on the Redskins, 
Scott McLuhan, you know, he he didn't he did not want to pay Kurt the whatever he was asking for. But he was willing to pay him a lot of money, which he which would have took care of him and his family for 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 good for life. But what he wanted to do was he said, I'll take care of you financially. If you just take care of me and just do your job, because I'll build you a team, I'll build a team around you. That's what I'll do, you know, because you have to have all those other pieces in order to get it done. And so he's not stressed about you just need a you just need you honestly just need a guy who's going to make the right decisions you know, to play quarterback. Well, but that said, you know, we're seeing the Philadelphia Eagles draft Jalen Hurts. Uh, we have the Green Bay Packers drafting Jordan Love. Like, we're seeing people put an emphasis on the backup quarterback, uh, Derek Carr, and we got Marcus Mariota. It seems like everybody is looking to have two quarterbacks now. Even with quarterbacks being protected now more than ever before physically it seems to me like the emphasis on offense wide receivers and quarterback in particular has gone to the point now where people put as much emphasis on the back I think in fact Jimmy Johnson said it to Colin Cowherd like the most important position is quarterback and the next most important position is backup quarterback and I don't know that people always thought that way but at least from this draft, it looks like Jimmy's not alone in thinking that. No, it's 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 valid just because, you know, you look at teams where, you know, what happens if Carson went down? Like, who's going to take over? You know, they Philly would struggle. When the Saints, when Drew Brees went down, Teddy took over, they didn't lose one game. Now, yep. granted, once again, they had a good team. Teddy made plays, but he also made the right decisions. you got to have somebody like that. And but I see two different things. I see teams getting backup quarterbacks. You look at Philly because yes, they invested a lot of money in Carson Wentz, but also too, he he does get hurt. Yeah. And when he when the team when he gets hurt, the team suffers. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, he they talked about how they're they're a group that develops quarterback, they're a developing quarterback type of team, and they like to groom quarterbacks. I get all that. But they got somebody, you know. They got they had they needed a serious backup quarterback and they feel like that that was the case so they look at it like that and then I look at Green Bay getting Jordan Love it's kind of like you always I feel like all the good all the really good businesses they have a great uh, succession plan right you know eventually eventually when all said and done you need someone that you're gonna groom and take over I get that. I get but that's that. Kind of, that's kind of how I see it, you know. I understand the draft. They went and got to that guy. They got, you know, more. Uh, they got A.J. Dillon from Boston College. They got another tight end. And it looks like, you know, they're going to go a little more play action since, you know, he came from the Shanahan tree. They're going to do a little more of that, which is going to protect Aaron Rodgers more and make him, I, I would say, more dangerous. So I just see it as an investment in that because, truly, they don't have a, a legit backup quarterback over there either. Right. But they didn't. They they did not draft a wide receiver. Like when I look at weapons for Aaron, and this is and this is the read that a lot of people have, and I don't. I haven't decided whether I agree with it or not. But this is the general read: is they drafted Jordan Love, and they didn't get any weapons for Aaron right now. They're making a move for the future, like decided, even to the point like maybe ticking Aaron off. 
so that he decides, you know what, this is my last year. Do you give what that? Do you give that concept, that idea, any credence? Um, I don't give it that much, but I, I agree they are building for the future. It's like get, get your quarterback problems out the way now. It's like go go grocery shopping when you just ate. You know, right. don't go don't go looking for a QB when you really need one, because then that's where you're gonna just be desperate and grab whoever. You know, Brian Gutekunst is is new, so he's coming in here like I'm. I plan on being here more than longer more than, than Aaron. Yeah, longer than than usual. So I'm not here trying to fix this to win right now. I'm trying to build a sustainable organization. Yes, I do have a quarterback that is MVP caliber who. I mean, he is a multiple MVP winner who has won a Super Bowl, who can. we And we are still capable of going now. But let me take care of all of the problems that are that are within his organization to help us be sustainable. It's funny. I'm watching on Netflix that uh, documentary, Subtle Until We Die, uh, about the football club in, uh, in England. And I'm on season two. And they've gone through, I think, you know, two owners, four coaches, all kinds of things, because just from a financial structure, it was all messed up. You know, they just were so behind. So so they would bring in a new coach or a new whoever to try to build some sustainability in this organization. Like they can't just go out there and buy a bunch of players. And then now they're in the hole financially. They're not winning games and not producing. They got to keep making change. And I just feel like Brian Gutekunst is coming in here to truly put his stamp on what he's going to do and help him build for a long run. And that same thing too with um, Chris Ballard in, in Indianapolis, he's, he's building everything to the draft, you know, to, to be there for the long haul so that they can win for a long time. To my point, that's what you look at Seattle, you know, they never, they never rebuild. They reset, they restock, hmm. they recharge, you know, that's that's just how they build their program. I look at you know we'll see what the Pages do. It's the first time they're doing something different in a long you know, time. I, I, yeah, same thing. Steelers they just you know they just rebuild. They got a bunch of young first rounders, but they just once again they just re, they just restart and restock. I forgot to ask you. The, it's the number one I think question everybody has at least in Cincinnati. Joe Burrow. How much of a difference does he make with the Bengals? I've had people who have said, you know, is this the beginning? Is this the beginning of the change? And I'm like, hell no. Not unless they're going to put, not unless they're going to spend and do what's necessary to build a team around him. What what chances do you give in that division, uh, Joe Burrow having an impact or living up to the number one pick with, I mean, granted, does have A.J. Green. He's got some pieces, got Mixon. Um, I don't know what the state of the offensive line is right now. But what what chances do you give Joe Burrow of uh, not being embarrassed by, and not necessarily by his hand, but simply because he's with a team that is going to make things difficult for him? Yeah, and they also got T. Higgins from Clemson, um, another big play receiver for him. I think he's the he's the right guy for it. You know, he arguably had the the greatest uh, college season ever for a quarterback, and. What I liked about Joe Burrow is when it mattered. I don't. You. I don't care if he had the best receivers. I don't care if he had the best team. I don't care if they had, you know, twenty-one draft picks or whatever. How many they had? It's when it mattered. He made he the play. Up, he, he showed up and got it done. And yeah. and his face was so stoic. 
never phased, never rattled, never bothered, like just didn't care. Like you, okay, he didn't get his opportunity at Ohio State, then he transferred, and then boom, showed up and just and was like, I'm gonna go after it and got it done. You know, I I admire that, especially for a quarterback, because there are a lot of court, so many quarterbacks can throw the football, right? Right. So many quarterbacks can can do all these things, but it's honestly to become a really good quarterback, it is it's between the ears, man. It's it's your mind. Like, can you really stare down that front line and not be phased and not worry about anything? That's what that's that's why that's what makes Tom Brady great. The greatest attribute with Tom Brady is his mind. He has a bulletproof mindset. Like there is nothing you can say to him that's gonna bother him, that's gonna rattle him, that's gonna do anything to him. So that's, certain, that's the best thing. Yeah, there's certain things about Joe Burrow that remind me of Baker Mayfield. A guy who had to transfer to get his shot. A guy that personality-wise, you know, is is willing to be out there in social media, kind of is, is willing to have fun and make some 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 cracks, wise cracks even as, at his own expense. Uh, obviously had tremendous amount of success at the collegiate level. Tell me where Joe Burrow is different from Baker Mayfield. Oh, he's different in in many aspects. Just in terms of yes, he's he's very very confident in himself, but he seems very 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 grounded. He seems way more grounded than Baker. Um, I and also too, and I don't I don't fully blame Baker for for how he is. You know, I just feel like I feel like Baker ended up with a lot of yes people. And that's just like I said. This is my personal opinion. I feel like when, yes, when he was given the keys at Oklahoma, and took over, and I think he's I I love him as a player. And same thing, when he went to Cleveland, I know I'm I'm positive that they truly gave him the keys to that organization, and they were just feeding him like we need you to come here and change the culture. We need your energy. We need you to be yourself. We need you to come here and give us that tough attitude because we've been losing and then LeBron left so it was like nah you're going to be the man so you need to this is your team this is your I, I know they had to feed him that for him to act how he was because you know even in interviews when he's speaking about people's injuries he's speaking about other players financial situations he's speaking about all this time the third like you don't do that unless the front office is giving you those keys and I don't feel like that's right. the case with Joe Burrow you know fair fair the should uh, should Aaron Rodgers be salty about what they've what they did there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um You know, I don't I don't know I don't know his relationship with Brian Gunakus. So well, I feel like anytime yeah. if I was Aaron Rodgers, you take a quarterback in the first round, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm gonna feel some type of way, of course. So when, when, when you're a player in the league and you're watching the draft, I would imagine in one, on one hand you're watching it and you're watching what your team does and you're reading, okay, how does this affect me in my situation, right? Yeah. My, my take, value. Take a player high in your position. Yeah. They're like, hmm, absolutely, <laughs> of course. Right. Especially if you're, 
but only really if you're not a main guy. If you're not like a main starter, and, right? You know they they draft you know somebody in the third round. You're not tripping really. But if you're you know a guy in the rotation and you know you're probably number three, and they go and get a corner at number one or number two, then you're like, oh, it looks like they're trying to possibly plug him in there. You know what I mean? Sure. So. You know, that was kind of for me. I didn't get drafted until the fourth round, but I was the first defensive back that the Packers took, and they wanted me to be the third guy. So I remember coming into the Packers. I mean, guys were trying to throw me out to get to get my reps. Oh, they, they, they everyone felt kind of threatened. Like, okay, we right. know that we know they're trying to hand him the spot. Right. Basically. So, so if you are one of the main guys, though, whether it's on the defensive side of the ball or. Or on offense, you're the quarterback, and you and you watch how your team invests its picks, whether around you or on the other side of the ball, or how the, however they utilize them. Do you re, How do you read that? And, or or and I know you weren't necessarily in that position, but I I wonder if you have a feel for how guys read that situation, whether they're watching that and feeling some kind of way about that. Well, I know. You know, with like, for example, Charles Woodson, he's he's his whole thing is if I'm not going to go out of my way. But if you need if you come to me and you have questions, then I'll help you. You know, I have no problem doing that, but I'm going to take care of my business. And he and that's exactly what he did, you know. So you mean in terms of if 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 management comes to them and says, what do we need? Management goes to Charles. Yes. Oh, I'm sure they have before, and I think I can't remember what he he did say something. I think he said we need like D tackles or something like that, and I think we got like BJ Raji out of the situation. It was something like that. I can't okay. remember exactly, but I don't know. I think I think too, if you're a guy who's a, who's a starter, and you know they draft a guy number one in your position, you just level up. You know, they went and got after going, uh, I think. Four and twelve or something like that. They went and drafted Aaron Rodgers, you know, and Favre. The next year, you know, goes eight and eight, and then the year after that, he takes us to the NFC Championship game. That's crazy. His last year, he took us to the NFC Championship game hmm. in Green Bay. <laughs> That's kind of crazy, you know. And I, I know for sure he was trying to get that title. He was playing, he was playing for him, you know. Because he had that, and, and guys like that, they just level up, man. That they don't they don't worry about what's going on, and that's why I felt like Aaron is the type where, yeah, there's a guy, and they know they're playing for a few. They know he's 36, and they're planning, and he's he's just gonna level up. Is he 36? I thought he was even older than that. I thought he was like 38. No, no he was a, he was he came out as a junior. Oh no no no! Oh, you mean uh, oh Rogers? Okay. Um. The I love the the draft, the virtual draft, and our ability to see into a bunch of people's different cribs. I thought it was great. I thought that the virtual draft was really, really cool. It was I was more in tune as opposed to just you got the same screen on the same stage. Now, yes, you miss those the moments of the red carpet. The guys get to walk up on stage, and and you know that's the that's the one part as a player that you really wish you had. But, you know, it's cool to – it's also cool that everyone gets to be at home with their family. Obviously, they had to with the pandemic, but they got to be home. So I thought the virtual draft was cool. Yeah. But the, I'm sure Roger didn't because he was exhausted. 
The yeah, no well, and he looked exhausted. I mean, wow. <sighs> right? No, he did. Yeah, it was funny because by the third by the third round he was in his launch chair. He's like sitting down. <laughs> yeah. It was probably more personable than I've ever seen him though. Like he's he is not a natural public speaker. He is stiff, man. And this was probably as I don't know, as as gregarious as I've ever seen him. Uh overall, what I you know what blew me away is the difference in some of the cribs that we saw. Some of the the <laughs> setups, right? I mean, some of them were like straight out of a fashion out of out of an architectural magazine, and some of them I'm thinking, dude, you must be saving all your money cuz that's some that is a that's an old look. That's a dated look nah, we got you, here. You gotta look, you gotta see where they are though. You know, everyone is like in love with Kingsbury's crib, but it's like, dude, Arizona, you yeah. can get that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you can get you can get that, and he's the head coach of the Cardinals. You can get that in Arizona. Okay, but like, um, dude, in Jacksonville, my house yeah. is. Is three times the three times less the amount I'm paying for my house here. Yeah, and probably three times the square footage, or no, it's probably uh, maybe a thousand less in Jacksonville. A thousand square feet less. Yeah. Than what you have now. Yeah. Oh, I would have thought you. I would have thought you would have had a lot more space down there. No, we were, we rented down there because we we didn't we were gonna buy if I got an extension, but uh-huh. we didn't. didn't so. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Uh, what did you make of Bill Pelichips? <laughs> oh, his his little uh, his. He was, oh, he was, that oh, was, he was he was a nineteen ninety two. Oh my, ninety ninety nineteen seventy two. That that was. <laughs> I, think, I, I mean, know if he was playing checkers or backgammon with his dog. Yeah, that was interesting. I thought maybe the che- he needed checkered cloth curtains, something. But he's, like- he's but he's not there for the decor. He's there for outside. He's in is he in Nantucket? Is that where he is? Yeah, right? uh, yeah, Martha's Vineyard, one of those. Yeah, he's there for the outdoors. He doesn't really care with that whole setup, man. That's what that's what I love. He spends money on his boats. That's what he does. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was good. Uh, before we go, I gotta ask you. So, you obviously saw CD Lamb. He gets oh, picked. Lamb. Um. I am, you know what? I'm fascinated by the side pieces. I'm fascinated by the girlfriends and how they're dressed. Like she was dressed to the nines. Not every, not every girlfriend was. See, I was actually watching the draft. <laughs> what do you? What do you mean? What you're watching the draft? Once they, once they announce the dude, and you know what he's capable of, and where he's going, it takes me about uh, no, 15 me- seconds to imagine that. I don't remember what she looked like. I just I remember the phone thing because everyone kept kept replaying it when his phone rang, his second phone rang, and she right. grabbed that and he snatched it back. Right. So I remember that, but it, they were just there were so many funny things that were going on. My whole thing is like, man, unless unless you guys are in it for the long haul, it's like they shouldn't they shouldn't even be there at the house. I agree like, a thousand percent. It should it should be. Like church rule, like okay, I'm going to church with my family today. Right. Are you going to invite the girl you're hanging out with with your family to church? Like, nah, no, man, no, no. That yeah. you know what? That's just that's watching heartbreak before it happens. Because you know that's you know now, that's now, not last. Now, stu- now they got stuff documented. It's documented. Like yeah. everyone keeps putting up the whole thing with 
you know, Russell Wilson cheering with his girlfriend back then. Right. And right. now, you, you know, he's with Sierra. Right. Having the second child together. I mean, it's there's just, there is like just, the Patrick Patrick Mahomes. I think they're in it to win it. I think they're that. I think that's. I don't think that's going I, anywhere. I don't. It's it's early. Really? It's it's early, dude. Yeah. It's early. It's yeah. early. Nah. He just seems a different cat. He seems Tom built Brady for Kansas. Brady wasn't always with Giselle. Yeah, but he wasn't advertising anything early. No, he he had a, he was with that actress. Right, I forget her name. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. He had a kid with her, didn't he? That's what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's what I'm saying. That's right. This is just, this is just one Super Bowl. This is one MVP. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm telling you, it's, it's, I don't know. It's different, so, man. So, so uh, you know what? I have to question CeeDee Lamb's judgment. Not on having her there. But the fact that he's holding two phones. He's holding the bat phone, right? Like, if you have two phones, you're basically advertising, I got something working on the side. There's no other reason that you would have two phones at that stage of your life. Unless you got free cell phone deals. Come on, man. I had three at one point. When? In college? No, in Green Bay. Okay, that's after you went pro. CD Lamb just turned pro. Just... Was he just didn't drafted. just turn pro. He once he declared, everybody's clawing at the Well, team. that's true. That's true. That's a, you know how it goes. Yeah, Basketball, yeah, yeah. you know how it yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, I got you. I got you. That's true. <laughs> you, I was gonna say on, on anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I know. He was. He, he already had plenty of money in his pocket. Yeah, look nah, at you know, Telfair, Adidas, and you know how it goes, man. I'm not telling something you don't know. Right. All right. Anything we didn't cover? Anything we forgot? Um, no, I think that. Oh yeah, you know what? You asked me about you asked me about defensive backs because Akuda went early. Yes. And ironically, Akuda from Ohio State, his athleticism comp was yours truly. <laughs> wow. Yeah, how about that? It was it was me. I was like, well, damn, maybe I should have went first. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, you've been putting out some clips. Some of your some of your returns. My goodness. You know, here is my problem. And it was it was good, a double-edged show. It was good and not want to say it was bad for the early part. It was bad being that I was good at everything. Mm. But I didn't master one thing. Mm. In order to be first round, you got to master your position. And I didn't master anything. But I was hmm. good at a lot of things, hmm. which in turn allowed me to play for a long time right because anytime it came down to the roster is like okay we can't get rid of will because he plays nickel dime corner safety strong safety free safety he can be a returner he covers kicks and he also is an emergency receiver so automatically if the coach wasn't if the head coach of the gm maybe was thinking i had the defensive back coach fight for me i had the special teams coach fight for me i had so so the more I was able to do, but yeah. But anyhow, you wanted to know. I want to know. You asked about the what's yeah. the one ingredient for a rookie defensive back when he enters the NFL, and the the main thing is is confidence, and that's just a defensive back period. And it, and it sounds so cliche, but it truly is. I mean, confidence before you even line up, you know. Mm-hmm. 
because at any moment, as soon as you relax, that's when you're going to get hit, you know, over the top or something or get hit with a move. Um, that's the that's the one position where you truly have to be keyed in at all times, especially when you're in coverage. So I think just the confidence. The biggest thing is it doesn't matter who lines up. It's like you get respect from other receivers, other defensive backs when you keep challenging people. I remember in 2000, I think it was 2007, 2008, when we were watching film on the Dallas Cowboys. And we saw this young, this young defensive back from the Jets light up T.O.'s chest. And we're like, like, dude, who is that? Like, just getting in his face. And it was Darrell Revis. Hmm. You know, it was him just getting in his face. Just didn't care. You hmm. know what I'm saying? Um, that, kind, that kind of a thing. You, that's how you get better. You challenge people. And, and that's where um, a young defensive back is. It, it becomes to that. And then, you know, you have to truly find a way to understand and study film constantly because that's once again how you're going to get better good stuff yep good to be back with you will yeah i appreciate you yeah we we should do this again <laughs> we, need, we need we need sports yes we do yes we do all right that does it for this episode of buker and blackman subsidiary buker and friends part of the united Wecast network hey don't forget rate and review the show on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts and if you want us to do something for you then screenshot that review and send it to at buker friends and you'll be eligible to win some prizes uh next podcast i have no idea who's going to be joining me but we will we have some review more intensive review to do on the uh, Jordan Doc, and I do want to get into the whole handshaking thing. I know Isaiah Thomas very well. I knew Michael Jordan. I knew the Bulls very well. I want to get into exactly the, the ins and outs of what was done there. So we will do that in the podcast, in the next podcast, whether I have a guest or not. Uh, for all of you out there listening, please stay safe. Please stay healthy. And as always, thanks for listening. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.